Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Today, we have Clarissa Lucas on. She's an IT audit director for a Fortune 100 company. She is also author of Beyond Agile Auditing, Three Core Components to Revolutionize Your Internal Audit Practices. Depending on when you're listening to this episode, it's either on pre-order or whatever happens to a book after pre-order, post-order. I don't know. You can buy it now. Either buy it now or depending on the timing of the show, you can buy it on pre-order. And as always, there is a link to the book in the show notes. And we've done, I don't know, three or four Agile Audit episodes. We did a two-part series at one point where we went like through the whole framework methodology with a real live use case. Um, I've done the whole the whole thing. And so when I came across Clarissa, I was like, how are we gonna do another, another Agile Audit episode? Uh, and the more I dug into her website, which also linked to the show notes, I saw where she did this session with a DevOps group. Um, and if you're looking at this from like that perspective and you're talking to DevOps people to help make Agile Audit even better for internal audit um, and acting with agility, then that's definitely a unique way of doing it uh, and a level of expertise that we haven't quite seen. And so, yeah, we kind of talk about Agile Audit but it's really in, more in the context of um, what you're gonna get when you read Clarissa's book. So this is kind of an agile episode, but not really. So with that said, uh, we do talk about the inspiration behind the book and the problems that Clarissa is helping auditors solve uh, for those that read the book and also listen to the episode. Uh, and one of the key questions we talk about is the difference between auditing with agility versus agile auditing. Uh, we also talk about uh, Clarissa's favorite tool for doing agile work. It's also, uh, for those, I'm sure there's a plenty of interest. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, it's the same tool that we use to run the podcast as well as work with our clients at green skies. So we kind of geeked out on that for a little while. Uh, and then we talk about outside of agility, some of the bigger problems that internal audit is facing right now. Um, and then the difference between output and outcome focused measures, what that means, what examples of those are, and how we can start thinking from that perspective. Here we go. So I'm always impressed whenever someone, anyone publishes a book around literally anything. Um, a few years ago, I sat down and went, yeah, I'll write a book. And five minutes later, I went, I'm never going to write a book. Um, <laughs> and so just the discipline it takes to do it, it's always, I'm always super impressed. And I know you have uh, a book that as of the time of the recording hasn't been, uh, you can pre-order it. And so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, it's called Beyond Agile Auditing. And I'm curious, what was the inspiration behind the book and what problems are you helping to solve for the auditors that read the book? So the inspiration, surprisingly enough, didn't even start with the goal of writing a book. Um, you know, it really obviously morphed into that and there is a book and it is coming out in May. Um, but just started with my own journey of trying to figure out agile auditing uh, with my own internal audit team. So 
we really struggled with how to do agile auditing and i'm putting do in air quotes because it's you know we're auditing we're not doing anything different regardless of how we're doing it um but as we were struggling i started reading books and attending conferences and really trying to understand what agile was and how to apply that to auditing we tried some experiments and I love calling them experiments because it's, you're trying it and your goal is learning. Right. Um, and we learned a lot from them. I started sharing my team's successes and failures. There were definitely failures uh, as with any good experiment. <laughs> um, so we shared that with other audit teams within my organization. Um, and then also when I attended different conferences, shared that with other auditing organizations and audit clients. Uh, because it's not just impacting auditors, it impacts clients when you're changing your way of working. And what became really apparent to me through those conversations was that there was a need for more guidance on applying agile concepts to internal audit. The what was kind of clear, uh, but the why and the how were completely not clear. Uh, not just to me, but to a number. Some people totally had it figured out, but not all of us. Um, so. I figured out that sprint-based agile auditing was really only scratching the surface of ways that we can improve our audit experience, both for us as auditors, as well as our clients. So I coined the term auditing with agility to distinguish between what I was doing. So starting with agile auditing, but then kind of taking it to the next level, um, distinguish between the two. Uh, agile auditing had become kind of a buzzword and it's a really cool thing, but there's also you know more we can do. What was so, in there? You, real quick, you mentioned yeah. uh, sprint-based auditing. For those that are not familiar with agile auditing or otherwise, what does that mean? Yep. So a sprint is just a time box. It is how much time is going to elapse. And when you break down, um, so agile auditing starts with a scrum framework that was um, originated in software development. <laughs> and when the software developers started doing Scrum. They started creating, uh, delivering their software in time box sprints. So we're going to deliver software every two weeks. Right. At the end of those two weeks, we've got software to deliver. So sprint, just a time box. Agile auditing is um, delivering your audits in sprints. At the end of your one week, two week, however many weeks you're calling those sprints, uh, you're going to deliver audit work. So yeah, sprint just equals time box. Pretty Pretty straightforward. Okay. So roughly, uh, and that most people do somewhere between two to four. Uh, I think mm -hmm. with an audit, I've heard it's usually two. So uh, basically, hey, you have two weeks to finish this audit, which I think is going to blow some people's minds. But when you really, I think if we get maybe into the conversation a little bit more, people go, oh, okay, well, it's not like a full blown, we're going to audit literally everything in this yes. department. It's all risk and agility and all that kind of good stuff. So, okay, I interrupted. Keep going. No, you're good. Um, and it may not be a, like, we'll get into this, but it may not be a full audit in two right. weeks. Uh, but you're right. Two weeks seems to be the magic number from what I've talked to different organizations. Two weeks seems to be um, what most organizations have settled on. Uh, but back to your original question, really, it was just agile auditing was a thing. Um, I wasn't quite sure how to do it um, and neither were some of the other auditors that I was talking to. So um, just did some experimenting, figured some things out and, um, you know, would have calls with other auditors and other organizations, but realized I can only be in one place at a time. Yeah. Even with all the digital awesomeness, um, I haven't figured out how to do a hologram of myself yet. That it's may be coming yeah. in the future, but really can only reach and help a couple auditors at a time. So figured 
writing a book would be a great way to expand that reach and help more and more auditors and clients have that better experience. And what's the difference? You mentioned agile auditing and then auditing with agility. What what are the differences there? Yep. Really appreciate you asking that question. I, I get it a lot. Not a big surprise there. <laughs> you know, when you, you hear the terms agile auditing and auditing with agility, a lot of times you might think that they're the same thing. Like literally you write the words down on paper and they look almost exactly the same. But there's a big difference in kind of the methodology behind there and um, how you apply that and the value that you get out of them. So agile auditing, um, we kind of touched on this. It is a sprint-based approach, applying that scrum framework. So you've got sprints, you've got a scrum master. There's a lot of terms and and things that go with agile auditing. And really it is a um, strict framework that you apply in every situation. So no matter what you're auditing, no matter what the clients are doing, no matter what's going on, you are delivering every, we'll say two weeks, because that seemed to be the magic number. You're going to deliver your audit work every two weeks. Um, And I mentioned that might be the whole audit. It might not be the whole audit. It might just be, we are going to get results in our clients' hands within two weeks. Uh, So it's definitely solving some of those problems of outdated results if we're waiting months or weeks to deliver things. Um, but really it's agile auditing is that sprint based delivery model and you're applying that in every situation. Um, another thing with agile auditing is, as I was talking to organizations and trying to figure out like what it is, a lot of people would think of it as something you do, like we're going to do agile auditing. Um, and I, I really struggled with this. Um, you know, I like the idea of delivering every couple of weeks and getting things in our clients' hands sooner, but applying the same approach in every situation just didn't really, didn't really jive with me. Um, Like in reality, our clients are always different. They all have different communication styles. Um, The areas that we audit are always different. Um, It's just so to say, we're going to fit everything into this one framework and do this the same every time without considering uh, the speed that our clients work in or their communication styles or their availability. It just, I struggled a bit with that. So yeah. auditing with agility. Uh, it is a flexible, customizable approach. So agile auditing, pretty strict. Um, auditing with agility, pretty flexible. So it's borrows concepts like uh, agile and scrum, just like agile auditing does, but it's borrowing concepts. It's not saying like, let's lay this, this framework on top of an audit. It also borrows concepts from DevOps. Um, so DevOps at a super high level, historically develop IT developers and IT operations teams were conflicted. Um, they had somewhat competing priorities. So that really made them have a bit of an adversarial relationship. This might sound familiar for some auditors. Yeah, of yeah. Sometimes auditors have this as their objective and our yeah. clients have something different and we kind of butt heads and have that adversarial relationship. So DevOps figured out how to have those two teams, developers and operations teams, work together toward a common goal. Mm -hmm. Instead of getting in each other's way, they were able to leverage each other and have amazing results. So I thought, all right, kind of worked for them. Sounds like a story I've seen before in auditing. So um, leveraging Agile Scrum and DevOps practices and applying those concepts to our audits so that we can have a customized approach for each audit. Another difference between the two is Agile auditing tends to be output focused. So uh, metrics that you'll see are the number of audits that we deliver in sprints or the number of sprints that it takes to get through an audit. And auditing with agility is more outcome focused. Um, So 
and I mentioned with agile auditing, it's a thing you do. When you say auditing with agility, that seemed to be easier for people to think about it's a way of working rather than something you do. So like we still audit. Yeah. That's what we do. How we do that changes. It's with agility. Um, our goal of providing insights and assurance to our stakeholders does not change. Right. How we go about doing that is really what changes. So okay. it was a, a couple different things there that really um, resulted in that tweak of the words, but it there are kind of a lot of differences uh, between the two. And you talked about output to outcome focused, uh, and you hit on the difference between those two. What Can you give us like a real world example of uh, where you've changed from an output focus to an outcome focused measurement? For sure. Um, so I mentioned with the outputs, there are so some of the examples I gave there were number of audits delivered and sprints uh -huh. or number of findings that we have, which is an awful metric. Right. Um, actually, there there is guidance on the IA that has that as a as a measure. Um, so I, I think as a profession, we really need to yeah. need to rethink about those things. I mean, those types of metrics uh, give me heartburn. And those are the kinds of things that make our clients fear us and think it's oh, terrible. Gosh, the yeah, it's terrible. to get us. Um, so instead, and, and I think about it, Trent, how many, um, how many of your stakeholders really care about how many audit reports we deliver every year? Literally like, none. What, what's a good number? Is it 10? Is it a hundred? Like, yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, so the outputs are the things that you produce. The outcomes are kind of those measures of success and the improvements, those types of things. So, um, a potential outcome could be, um, better alignment between your audit scope and the emerging risks yeah. or the top risks to the organization. That's kind of what our, I mean, that's really what our organization stakeholders care about, right? Like number of audit reports, don't care. Is the work that you're delivering aligned with what our stakeholders care about and what keeps them up at night? Yeah, that's going to yeah. add value. So it's really that, you know, and it's typically in terms of, are we increasing that or are we increasing efficiency, decreasing the amount of wasted time? Um, those are more of the the outcomes. A, a question that we've asked a lot of guests on the show is what their favorite tool is. And so far, my favorite answer has been leaf blower. Like I will literally maybe a, an hour a week, but that's like my break from doing things. Like, all right, I'm just going to go outside and find something to use the leaf blower on. Um, my second favorite answer was the one that you gave. Um, and we've had people, I don't know, we've probably done four shows, maybe five or six on agile auditing and no one mentions this tool that you're about to use we use it uh for the podcast to run the podcast we use it at uh, green skies to run our uh, client projects and, and keep everybody on the same page there so uh, with all that said what is your favorite tool why is it your favorite tool and how do you use it so jira is my favorite tool today and I'll, um, I'll put a link in the show notes but uh for those that are just like maybe listening uh in the car or whatever it's jira j-i-r-a okay Yep. It, um, the reason I love JIRA is it really supports the processes that my team is um, focusing on right now. So I'm going to go on a slight tangent and then I promise I will circle back to why JIRA. Okay. Um, you know, I am of the school of thought that you need to figure out your people and your processes before your tools. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of times there's like the next coolest tool and yeah. everybody's using it and it's the latest craze and it's got these cool features and we go for the tool and then we have to retrofit our processes to that tool or we have to customize the tool so much that it is way too expensive or way too cumbersome to maintain. So um, I love Jira because it supports the processes that my team has been focusing on recently. Um, 
those processes primarily are making our audit work visible and then empowering auditors to own their own assignments. And JIRA has been awesome for this. So for a little bit of context, I lead the technology audit team at a Fortune 100 company. And my team focuses both on technology specific audits and we also provide support to um, my peers who lead the business audit. So you're doing an audit of the payroll function and there is likely technology that supports that payroll function. If you need IT audit support, my team helps that. So we are both a dedicated function and a shared service across the Office of Internal Audit. And this created some unique challenges. So instead of just focusing on my portfolio and needing to know where my team was spending most of their time on my audits, uh, there was also that portfolio level view that I didn't have visibility into. So because I didn't have visibility, it was way harder for me to help my team maintain balanced workloads. So we created a task board. A task board can be as simple as a whiteboard. It can be physical, it can be digital. When we started this, we started with uh, in the height of the pandemic. So we're all working from home. Physical task board probably wouldn't have worked. I know it wouldn't have worked. So yeah. we went with a digital one, um, figured out what do we need in order to make our work visible. So we need something super basic. I need to see what are we trying to get done this week. I need to see the status of it. Uh, I need a column for we haven't started it yet. I need a column for um, somebody's working on it. It's in review or it's done. And you can customize your task board to meet whatever need you have. Um, so we did this and we started using one tool and ended up having to have a separate task board for each audit that everyone was on. So step in the right direction, but I still needed that portfolio view because I didn't have, this is going to sound selfish, but I didn't have time to look in 40 different boards yeah. to see where everybody was and try to calculate that all together of how many tasks everybody has. Yeah. So JIRA really facilitated that. Uh, we're able to put everything on one board. We all use it. Uh, we can see, all right, uh, client can't meet with us this week. And we thought they were going to meet with us. We were thought we were going to knock out these walkthroughs, but things change. Stuff happens. Now, suddenly somebody's got a lot of availability. And I can also see, okay, this person is totally overloaded. I don't know what happened, but we're completely overloaded why don't you two connect yeah. and see what tasks you can take off of their hand? So really just creating that visibility, enabling us to have a much more balanced workload. I can see, I can see roadblocks coming way sooner. Like this, this task hasn't moved in three yeah. days. Yeah. Is that intentional? Is something going on? Do I need to help? Do I need to alleviate some of that? I can see who's accountable for everything. I can see where I'm being the roadblock. We've got a column for Clarissa's review. And when that starts piling up, I know I'm the one that's uh, <laughs> keeping us from from progressing. So yeah. it directs my attention there. Or you've got a project manager that needs to review a bunch of work papers and then it's an unreasonable amount for them to review. Hey, team, any other project managers, can you jump in? And we swarm around it and fix it. Like it's been, it's been awesome. Sorry, I'm going on and on about Jira, but like it's super cool. And I know we've only scratched the surface of how to use it. Yeah. Like, I would love your thoughts on how are you using it? How do you see other people using it? How can we connect with our clients? Because I know most of my clients use Jira and we've got separate boards. Like this could be a whole, yeah, a yeah, whole yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, uh, for those who don't know, I shot Clarissa a note uh, and just kind of the back and forth of this. And I was like, uh, when we get done recording, let's like talk Jira more like, what, how are you using it? And et cetera. So uh, maybe, maybe one day we can have, you know what? We did a, a tools episode 
but it was like my like tools that I like to use. And uh, that was maybe a year and a half ago. So it might be a good time to do another tools episode. And so maybe through that, we can uh, pass along some Jira stuff. So we um, could get a couple different people yeah. who are using it for different capabilities and yeah, we use it for share information there. We are, I use it for everything. Um, and then my wife also follows Agile for what she does uh, in consulting. It came pretty close to like, should we use my Jira board for uh, like household stuff? And then we were both like, oh my gosh. Well, uh, and then it was like, I, I feel I like we got to draw a line between like work <laughs> and that. And so, like, just write down on a piece of paper. We'll keep the honeydew list on a piece of paper. Um, that way I'm not logging into my Jira account, um, constantly. So anyway, so we uh, used, we used the dry erase board at home for uh -huh. household chores. Um, it didn't last for long and nobody was ex as excited about it as I was. So we kind of scrapped that, but I I, got, I'm there yeah, with you. <laughs> I got excited about it. And then I was like, I mean, this would be better. Um, but then I was like, I don't, we're not going to have standups. Like I'm not doing a daily standup with my wife every day to see, uh, what, what needs to be done or to find the roadblock. It's, I'm probably the roadblock anyway. So anyway. We scratched that idea, but um, I don't know, maybe one day. I am curious though. Um, so you have Jira, which if I just summarized it, it mm -hmm. we'll just say project management tool. Yep. Um, but then what about your like audit management system? Does it talk to your audit management system or do you use your audit management system for one specific thing and then Jira's for something else? How do you use those in conjunction? Yeah, so this is one of those things where I think there is more capability in both of the systems than I'm aware of. Um, yeah. So they do not currently talk to each other. Could they? Maybe. Um, but they don't today. I would love to have that one update the other because I am not a fan of you have to update something in three different places. Yeah. Like that's not fun for anyone. Yeah. Uh, so no, not today. I would love I'd love to know how to do that. And maybe it's a, is it the audit software? Is it the Jira that I just haven't quite figured out? I'm not as experienced in that. Not sure. So we've hit on agile agility, uh, from a process perspective, uh, a little bit on the people and especially on the tools. Um, but outside of agility, what's the biggest problem that you see internal audit facing right now? There are quite a few. And I know you're aware of that. Um, a couple of things come to mind, like challenges with the talent market. Um, that's a that's an interesting landscape right now. Yeah, um, changing stakeholder expectations, the current future state of the economy. Like there's there's a long list, uh, and you asked for one. So I'd kind of sum all of those up as a theme. I see a theme throughout each of those, and it's being able to keep up with the pace of change. Um, of course, auditing with agility. That's that's my uh, platform. It is one way to keep up with the pace of change. But if you look at the key success factors of agility, it's really a mindset change. That's kind of at the root of all of it. Um, so keeping up with change is the thematic problem and shifting our mindset is the solution. So I've had multiple people tell me over various, you know, aspects of life, like it's a mind shift change. Yep. Um, and I'd always go, okay, great. That's not something you just do. So like, how do you oh, gosh, do that? No. And nope, nobody could give me like a, a concrete answer is usually some abstract thing or is that I think you could see in their brain, they're like, oh, I, don't, I don't really know how to answer that. Let me just make something up. Um, and so anyway, it wasn't until someone said books are their way for mind shift changes. And I went, okay, that's interesting. And so whenever, if there is something like, let's take data, for example, like if you're not like a data person, but you want to see things 
from like a data perspective. If you pick up data books, um, I think you'll see that. And I've, I've done that with uh, communication and discipline, just the act of discipline. And yep. so picked up like a bunch of discipline books and when you got to put this stuff into practice also, but it really, for me anyway, and I, I've told that story before and someone went, well, I listen to podcasts all the time around this topic, you know, whatever it was. And I was like, yeah, I think you just have to surround yourself with it. But um, so for the non-book readers, that's an option. But I say all that to say, um, it seems like a very good place if you want to think agile audit and get in that mindset, a good book would be. Beyond agile auditing. Oh, there you go. Book. Yeah. <laughs> And Trent, you're right. It's it's not a switch. It's not a switch. And with any mindset change, it's not a, a switch that you just flip. Uh, you can't say like I'm gonna audit with agility today. Like you can say it, yeah, uh, but you're but you're not gonna be there. Um, just like saying fitness, you don't just go to the gym once and you're fit or you're right. a fitness person. Um, you know, to your point, you have to educate yourself. What are you trying to accomplish, and how would you go about doing that? And then try experiment. So it, it is is definitely a journey. So when I think about it's a mindset shift for these types of things. It's, it's, we're shifting from, we have this waterfall audit approach, waterfall, meaning you go from one phase and you have to finish that before you go to the next one, you have to finish planning before you go to field work. And it's very strict and very, um, approval gates. We've been doing that for a very long time. We it's comfortable. We know it, we have to shift our thinking. And that's why I'm trying to get the movement of going beyond agile auditing because agile auditing is another comfortable framework. Yeah, I know what to expect. Uh, but we've got to add flexibility and flexibility in the audit process. Like we're process people. We love a good process. Um, so that is a mindset shift. So it does take a long time. It's not a like insert disc. I'm now right. <laughs> an agile auditor. I'm now a fitness person. Yeah. But with those mindset shifts, I know your your question was beyond agility. So let's talk about something a little near and dear to your heart about analytics. Okay. Uh, I think another mindset shift that we need to be thinking through is how we approach things like analytics. Um, let me explain. So through both my um, professional experiences as a practicing audit leader and discussions with people at other organizations, it's not just me, I've, I've confirmed. Um, always try to make sure is it a user error or is yeah. it you know something yeah. bigger than that yeah. um, probably part user error but uh, i'm not the only one with it but we struggle with some competing priorities so we want to deliver data-driven insights absolutely we also want to deliver things faster and a lot of times um some people are blessed with data that is very easy to get to it's very clean it's very workable that's usually not what I run into. Yeah. <laughs> so it takes a lot of time to get the data in a clean, usable format. So a lot of times we have to pick. We've got audits that are projects and we have a start date. We have a targeted end date, a budget. And then we want to try to deliver through, um, deliver insights through data, which typically blows up those, those time and sure. um, calendar budget. So usually we have to pick. Do you want data-driven insights or... Do you want your results fast? Yeah. Not both. So what we are, we're trying to shift our mindset and change the way we think about these things and kind of separate the analytics from the project, the audit project, and think about it as its own product. Okay. So like I mentioned, the products are very, or projects are very, um, you have a start date, you have an end date, you've got a budget that you're working with. Uh, it has a start and an end. A product has more of a life. So you're going to, 
figure out, you're going to ideate, figure out what it is you're trying to do. You create it, you maintain it. Eventually you may retire it, but it's not like we're going to have this product for a year or six weeks. It's when it's run, it's useful life and we can't maintain it anymore. We It's no longer adding value, then we can retire and sunset it. So two different mindsets and another thing that I'm borrowing from the IT world, they figured a lot of stuff out. So I really don't invent anything new. Yeah. It's more like, hmm, these guys figure it out. So let's apply this to audit. So technology organizations and even beyond technology, a lot of organizations are taking more of that product mindset, um, starting with what does the customer need? So what do our clients need? Um, they want to know where to spend their resources. They want to know what's causing the most outages and what the root causes are of that. So um, really starting with what the customer needs, building that out without the restrictions of I've got this audit project and this report that I need to deliver. So um, what we were running into as well was you've got this audit project and we try to do analytics and we can't get the stuff in time. So um, we still want to get that report out and get our results in our client's hands and we abandon the analytic or yeah. you build it during the audit. Awesome. You got your clean data. You did all your stuff. The audit's done. So you kind of shelf it because you're moving on to the next project because the next project has its start date and its yeah. end date. And that's a lot to invest just to kind of put on the shelf and yeah. come back to a couple years later. So uh, I really think another way that we can stay ahead of that pace of change and use our resources most efficiently and effectively is changing our mindset from that again time boxed project to more of a product mentality. And I'll be fully transparent. Um, I I'm still in the early stages of trying to experiment with this and figure out what the heck it is and how to do it. Uh, but I really like what I see so far. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you look somewhat seal of approval there. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I'm I'm definitely okay with that from the perspective of we should ruthlessly prioritize as as a guest on the show who was uh, a scrum person put it, and that's what he felt like his job was is to ruthlessly ruthlessly prioritize. Um, and so I'm fine if we do it from that perspective. Um, but I've even done it where when I was in internal audit. And we had similar situation, like there was nothing really wrong with the data. It was pretty clean. So that wasn't the problem, but there were so many issues with the results that we found and going to management and going, can you validate this? Is this right? Mm -hmm. Is this wrong? That the, the non it audit or the non data folks that were, you know, I was supporting those folks. They were like, All right, man, like we're kind of waiting on you so we can issue this right. report. Um, and so I went to their director and I was like, just issue the report. Is it, you know, like. It's, mine's going to come out in the same quarter anyway. Um, and so it's not going to, it shouldn't be confusing to the audit committee or anyone else that's going to look at it quarterly. Like, we'll just tell the client what's going on. And they're like, yeah, I guess we could just do that. And so thinking about it differently. Yeah. It's, it's a mindset shift. Yeah. And so they issued their report and there was no issue. I mean, nothing major in there anyway and said, hey, here's the caveat. You're going to get another one. It's just this one thing that we're doing. Uh, and this is why we have to do it. And they're like, yeah, it's totally fine. Um, yep. So yeah, just, different ways of, of doing it. Maybe you can get away with that in some scenarios. Maybe you can't, but overall, if we ruthlessly prioritize like that, I don't know what, like, I don't know what else you could ask anybody other than to prioritize and do the highest priority thing. Uh, so we hit on agile and this pace of change and how you can use that to keep up with it. What about, I mean, there's just so many things that are constantly changing within our organizations, whether it's regulations, um, social aspects, uh, ESG, 
obviously COVID, uh, hopefully we're done using that as the example Goodness, for I a while. So. <laughs> I'm so tired of hearing <laughs> about it. Um, but either way, like how do you keep up with all these changes that then, then you can take those and put them into your um, agile way of thinking? Yeah, it's uh, it's got to be a combination of both internal and external resources. Um, so internal to my organization, I stay really connected with the technology leaders. They're my primary clients. Um, I collaborate with them during audits and between audits. So I'm not the, I'm just showing up and talking to you during the mm -hmm. audit and then you don't hear from me. It's kind of the between audits that are really going to uh, help keep me in the know of those changes. Um, really want to understand what their priorities are and what's on the horizon for them. So we have some regularly scheduled touch bases on the calendar. Uh, my team and I sit in on different committees and working groups. Just that's where you're going to see what, what they're prioritizing. It's what are their committees talking about? What are their working groups talking about? Um, I also like some less formal ways. So impromptu coffee runs. I mean, coffee is life. So yes. there's, there's that. Um, but I also like that they're a bit disarming. So we talked a little bit about, you know, trying to uh, change our client's perspective of auditors. You know, we're not the corporate police. We're not the enforcers. We're not out to get them. So going on an impromptu coffee run with a client is like really disarming. Um, they realize that we are people. We're not like just these corporate robots yeah. or anything. Um, and, you know, it, it really is, it helps. Um, I saw something the other day about parenting and it was like, when my kid gets in trouble, I don't want them to be like, oh my gosh, I don't want mom to find out. I want my kid to be like, I'm going to call mom. She'll know what to do. And I kind of think about that with my clients too. So I don't want them to think, oh shit, something broke. Mm -hmm. I hope Clarissa doesn't find out. It's call mom. Oh no. Yeah. Like call mom or <laughs> yeah. Clarissa can help. Her team can help us get through this. So um, we can do that through more formal things, but I really think those informal touch bases are the key to showing the vulnerability and connecting with somebody so that they do feel more comfortable in those situations. Yeah. Um, so then there's there's also external resources. So I talked a lot about the internal things that helps me with what my clients' priorities are, but then there's also external factors. You mentioned a couple of them that would impact any organization. Um, so your audit podcast is one of those sources for me. So I love listening to the guest speakers that you have on here. There's other thought leaders that are in sometimes the same industry, different industries, they're dealing with different things. That helps me stay in the know as to what's going on, not just from an audit perspective, but everything else in, in the environment. Um, I love books. That not a big surprise. I do love to read books. Uh, other thought leaders, I follow them on LinkedIn, uh, conferences, both from what people are presenting and then just networking with people. So I really think having that diverse group of sources to stay ahead of what's going on and what's coming down the pipeline is really, really important. Yeah. And it's tough. I, I, uh, similarly, I just through talking to folks like you, I get to learn. Um, I tell people all the time, they're like, why'd you start the podcast? Like selfishly, I just want to be able to ask oh, experts yeah. like the questions that I have of them. And it's takes less time to do that than it does to read an entire book. Although I do read. You got it. Uh, all the time. So anyway, um, so yeah, I can certainly appreciate that um, way of doing that. And I, I think if of everything, every question, every topic of every guest that we've had, it boils down to relationships. Almost like every single answer is just like relationships or communication um, is like the number one answer. Like we should probably just, we could probably just kill the podcast, do one show and go relationships and communicate effectively. All right, we're done. Have a good, you know, 
have a good okay, career. Okay, so let's not kill the podcast. Uh, you <laughs> could have that. a thousand episodes on how to build relationships and communication. I think that's a different, a better way to phrase it there. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> we still need this. <laughs> perfect. All right. All right. We'll keep it going. We're going to cancel it, but Clarissa uh, has convinced You're it. welcome. I just saved it. <laughs> perfect. All right. So with that said, is there, uh, since we're not going to cancel the show, um, is there anything that you want to leave the audience with? Any any parting words, final thoughts? Yeah, I think we've really got to challenge the way we do things. Uh, if I could sum up what, we're, what we've talked about today, I know we went a lot of different ways, but the way we used to do things might still work, um, but it might not give us the best results. So really just challenge what we're doing, make sure that we're thinking about things from a fresh perspective and not just kind of dusting off what we used to do and doing things because this is the way we've always done it. You know, makes me cringe when I hear my clients say that. My clients haven't said that in a long time. Um, so we shouldn't be saying that too. So really just challenge what we're doing. Uh, don't say st stay stagnant because we'll be irrelevant really quick. So we need to step up the plate, step up to the plate and uh, champion those changes. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from The Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one. Mm -hmm.